Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CNE Games or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you hear this live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. And our topic today is, well... Thank you for being a better friend. Uh, but before we get to that, who are you two for the fine folks who may not know? All right, all right. I always start. <laughs> <You're established. laughs> it's only it's been a- 19 shows. Tradition. Yeah, I, know, tradition. I know. I keep wanting to change tradition, but hey. All right. So I am Mitra Jordan. I am a uh, clinical counselor, psychotherapist, working in Victoria, British Columbia. I love games, I play games, and I often end up talking about games, game use, video games, um, with clients, um, particularly with regards to kids and families, but also their own use of games and socializing. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and well, who else is that there? Well, uh, I, I'm Dr. B. Hi. No, I, I'm Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. Uh, people see the double consonants and they're like, no. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I am a doctor of clinical psychology. I'm non-practicing, but I was uh, spent a lot of time training in various settings. And uh, I do nothing but policy and education work these days as the clinical director of what was at the time the very first mental health nonprofit to serve in the game community, TakeThis.org. Our whole mission is to educate people on mental health stuffs and uh, to destigmatize that because there's still a lot of uh, stigma and shame, excuse me, shame around uh, the idea of mental health challenges. And uh, in addition to that, I'm very frank, openly talking about some of my own, especially uh, being autistic. And uh, I'm also an expert on the implied use of tabletop role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. And I am so excited to be talking about this today. Yeah. This is a good one. This is one of them that, like, I mean, I've liked all of the the topics that we've done. But, like, when (laughs) this one got brought up as a topic idea, I'm like, I absolutely love this. Because I think this is not only going to be a fun thing to talk about, but a fun thing for listeners and viewers to, to hear about as well. Um, yeah. So, what what do what, what do we mean by thank you for being a better friend? Like, what what what's our goal here? Uh, well, I think our goal is to revive uh, the Golden Girls as a <laughs> where where we. <laughs> No, I um chat discuss who which uh, each of us are. Uh <laughs> oh, I, no, I'm Rose. Okay. Just straight up. Straight up I'm Rose. 
I, I mean, like, no, no joke at <laughs> Obo all. Lord Golden Girls, the OG D&D party. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for something because I did not put my name on it when I put when oh, I when right. I you created this, and I've seen yes. it make rounds in some D&D memes. If you have seen a picture of the Golden Girls with, uh, like, Sophia as a rogue, Blanche as the bard, Dorothy as the paladin, and Rose as the confused cleric, I did that. I just didn't put my name on it when I posted it to Instagram. That'll show you. <laughs> Uh, but um yeah so this is actually a question we've heard a lot at take this over the nearly six years um over the last nearly six years that i've been there and it's a question of how can i be supportive of people who are struggling with their emotions whether it's due to a diagnosis or uh not uh, due to a diagnosis we all have these moments when we're feeling vulnerable and down and so often when we as people because we want to stop our friends from suffering we mm -hmm. want to help them and so we get in there and we try and like fix their problems and we give them all these suggestions and for some reason they get angry <laughs> why we're just trying to help <laughs> uh-huh so what <laughs> is Mitra, good health i have so many <laughs> good help. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to set good boundaries around helping the help I am able to give, the kind of support you're looking for or need, and just how to have fun with your friends as well? What things interfere with that sometimes? So, yeah, sounds good. So, where do we want to start with this? Well... Um. Uh, we could consult the notes. <laughs> no, we could, yeah, no, we did make an outline. We uh, did. <laughs> we, we, our very first thing was, why are we talking about this? I yeah. noticed mm -hmm. we wrote that. And someone remind me, why are we talking about this? Well, <laughs> we're talking about this because it because of what I just brought up. The, the idea yeah. that <clears throat> it's, it's when people want to fix problems for other people, it's our. It seems like it's our natural inclination to jump in and just like tinker around and fix things, but it often when somebody when somebody is really vulnerable and struggling, that's that's many times not what they're looking for. Someone to come in and fix things. They're yeah. often looking for <laughs> things like empathy, validation, just being having a holding space, and the reassurances. And the solutions that we give them can often be seen as minimizing. Or, Absolutely. Yeah, or like mindless, mindless cheerleading that could be toxic positivity that just denies the problem in its in its entirety and can be demeaning to people who like we all have you tried kale? Have you tried yoga? Have you done this and this and this and this? No, I. So that's why we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we also note that so much of the time, um, and I've had clients like this, we've had friends like this who worry about being a burden when they're not in the best or most positive space. Um, and that's unfair to them because if they're feeling like they're a burden, implication, you might try to fix it as well. That somehow they're coming at you as a problem to be fixed, which they aren't, they're a person. They're a human being. You have memories, thoughts, feelings, connection, fun with. And 
really the task of a friend in some ways at those times is just to rem- remind by your presence and your shared memories and your history is to remind them in some ways that there's so much more than what they're going through. And you don't need to say that to be that. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, for you to sit there and say you're so much more than what you're going through is super insulting anyway. And also, again, is part of that mindless cheerleading. So how to be a better friend also applies to other relationships in your life. It can be at times how to be a better office mate to or work person colleague. It can certainly be how to be a better partner because the skills that apply in relationships generally go fairly well across the board, particularly around how well you listen, um, what sorts of things you say when someone shares something that might be tough for them or painful for them. So. Well, one of the things that I I, I just want to offer to everybody is this idea that, well, there's there's two things. And this is one of those things is something that a supervisor of mine back in my training days uh, said to his students many, many times. And I worked with this particular supervisor uh, for almost three years. And so I got to see multiple classes go through. So we, I heard all of his stories multiple times. They were great stories. And when one of the things he would remind students of frequently is that if we were, if we were in session with somebody and we started feeling helpless and panicky or confused or overwhelmed to remind ourselves, how must they be feeling if this is such a problem that we are feeling overwhelmed? and confused and helpless and we just want to fix things so that was the that's the first thing i will say but the other thing is to reframe the idea of doing nothing and just sitting with a problem as actually doing something definitely Mm -hmm. the idea of creating enough safety in a relationship to have a difficult conversation and just kind of hold it there um, a metaphor that I've, I've used with people in the past when talking about this is it's like picking up water. When you pick up water, you don't reach in and squeeze. You gently cup and just hold it there. And creating solutions immediately is like trying to pick up water by reaching in and squeezing it. And so the idea of sitting with somebody's problems, sitting with the ambiguity, allowing yourself to feel that helplessness and that confusion and that um, that ambiguity is in and of itself doing something. So let's just reframe that right right here and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when we talk about that, that's a great metaphor, by the way. I really like it. And I also appreciate what you're saying about sometimes when you sit with someone um, and you're feeling really challenged by what you hear and it leads to, oh, my God, you know, and I've certainly experienced this as a therapist, it leads to, wow, what am I going to offer? The problem with that is although at some level when I'm sitting with clients, I'm sifting through, um, all right, what kinds of, you know, where am I going to go with this or what am I seeing in terms of treatment? If I do too much of that, I'm not present with the client. Maybe I'm missing something important. So a big piece of this is to set those anxieties that you're feeling and the control that you want to impose in response to that and be present for the person's experiencing 
What are they sharing? What are they going through? What haven't you heard yet that maybe at some point you want to ask a little bit about or have them elaborate on? Well, it's, you, you know, you in our pre-production meeting for this, Mitri, you asked a really good question. And it's something that I, I, I've never overtly asked myself. I've considered it sort of unconsciously, but I've never overtly asked this question of myself, whose agenda are you enacting? Mm -hmm. Are you being present to listen to what they actually need? Or, and maybe what they need is solutions. Maybe that's actually what they need, but maybe it's not. Are you being present enough to help them enact their agenda? Or are you so distressed? Or are you just going through the motions to enact yours? And that's a valuable question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the kind of question that can really change how you are in someone's presence. It's actually particularly, what's useful with everyone, it's also particularly useful with teens, actually, because I think we often take over um, with younger people. Okay, I'm going to fix this. I know what's going on. But mm-hmm. we certainly do it in friendship and, and with partners as well. So... Someone may not know exactly what they want, but the more they continue speaking, the more you continue listening and asking, the more clear that can become. And that's a way to tap into someone's own agenda and their own expertise, which is like, you may not know exactly what you want from this, but how are you doing and what's particularly tough now? And what would make tonight easier? You know, so there's the questions around the broader picture that's going on, the maybe immediate needs, um, and maybe your role in that. And your role may just really be to sit there and and um, take in what you're hearing and ask questions and just help them feel heard. Because the one thing I know about most of my clients is that in some way or another, they haven't been heard at various points. Mm-hmm. And if they're not being heard, how are they, how will they have the space to hear themselves? And that goes for your friends, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, I, I think a, an evocative, well, and a, a, an, easy, an easy illustration for a lot of us to sort of anchor to, because I think we've all done this at one point, is the idea that maybe you yourself have been struggling with a problem for a long time. Okay, you've been turning it over in your mind for hours, days, weeks, who knows. And you're feeling lost about it. You're feeling overwhelmed about it. You're just basically feeling this is enough. I can't figure this out on my own. And you're very vulnerable as you admit this struggle to someone you trust as you've been turning it over in your mind for hours, weeks, days, whatever. And immediately, without asking a question about it, that friend just responds with, have you tried insert solution here? Mm-hmm. How deflated do you feel in that moment? Mm-hmm. When you internally have been struggling with this for so long, and really what you wanted was to be seen, to be heard, to be mm-hmm. understood. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the skills that we could look at maybe picking up uh, that could help with this? Um, 
Well, one of the ones that uh, there, there's a couple that I I like to think about. Now, originally these this was uh, these are this is therapist skills essentially, but the but there are aspects of this stuff that can benefit anybody. And uh, so there's a form of therapy called motivational interviewing. And I'm not teaching, I'm not saying all of this because I think you all should go out and do therapy with people. You absolutely <laughs> should not therapize your friends under any do circumstances. Not. Do not. But there are some aspects to motivate what's called motivational interviewing that are just darn good listening skills and good conversational skills. And they use the acronym ORS. What that stands for is open ended questions affirmations of the things that are worthy of affirming, not in sort of a toxic positivity kind of way. Um, reflections of what you're hearing the person say and summaries of what you've heard so far, allowing them to correct you. So again, that's open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. And part of that is sort of this humble attitude of letting them correct you and I, I know Mitra has a lot to say on this sort of uh, th that that sort of humility in listening hmm. oh did you want me to say yeah, well I was trying to give you a segue and I, I... <laughs> well you were just on such a wonderful roll I was really enjoying well, it I was I'm actually handing, wondering handing if the, I should <laughs> no I'm giving you the conk I, it's <laughs> Sucks to my asthmar. <laughs> oh, my God. So the humility piece is that sometimes when a person has shared about an experience and then you might say, wow, it sounds like X or Y. And they might say, well, no, it's actually not that. It's this other thing. And we might feel somehow in being corrected in this way that we failed or gotten it wrong. But I can tell you, I get it wrong often with mm -hmm. clients, certainly when I'm first getting to know them. Um, I might hear what they've said, and then I might say, wow, and is this a piece of your experience? Or do you find that blah, blah, blah happens? Or, um, you know, I don't, I try not to ask closed questions, but sometimes when you're empathizing, you might also find yourself saying, so I'm wondering if there was an element of betrayal there for you. So it's open-ended, but it's also specific to a thing. And they might say, no, it wasn't betrayal at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity to get further in there in terms mm -hmm. of understanding a person's experience. Yeah. Uh, letting them correct you yep. is in and of itself. Uh, I mean, if we, think of, if we think about relationship building as um, a metaphorical distance between people and bringing that distance is uh, in closer... A lot of people, when they think about empathizing and validating, uh, think that getting that right is the only way to close that distance between two people. And while it's true that correctly labeling someone's experience or correctly reflecting your understanding of someone's experience is a way of closing that gap, getting it wrong and then humbly letting them correct you is another way to close that gap. Because Absolutely. empathy and validation, like Mitra just brought up, they're a guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the more deeply you know uh, a person and maybe their responses to previous experiences, there's a greater likelihood that you'll get it right. But that doesn't matter. You see, because this piece about getting it right, uh, being a good friend, saying the right stuff, that's about you mm -hmm. and your relationship to friendship and your agenda in that moment to do the right thing. 
we want you to learn to set that aside. Your agenda is to be present to the other person and to notice what's happening for them. At those moments when you're working about communication, when you're thinking about how to be there for someone, doesn't really matter if you're not getting it right all of the time, as long as you're just present. So. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, um, so one of one of my former professors and one of my former supervisors as well was a trainer in this uh, this form of therapy called motivational interviewing. And again, caveat: don't therapize your friends. What I'm teaching, what I'm telling you all, is one aspect of an incredibly complex system that <laughs> happens to happens to be just darn good listening skills. Mm -hmm. Okay, and a tip that he used to give all of his students is the idea of attend to the emotion, label the emotion. Mm -hmm. And the, the uh, a trick I have for myself is if I only, I only need three words to label an emotion, you feel, and then the name of the emotion. I feel like chicken tonight is not an emotion. <laughs> um, it's also betraying my age, the fact that I, I use that reference. Um, but even over labeling somebody's emotion, like using a more intense emotion than they might be feeling and letting them pull you back, that's a way of creating that connection. Then mm -hmm. Amitra brought up that example of, you know, you're feeling betrayed. I'm not feeling betrayed. Oh, okay. Well, help me understand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, it's, it's an important process in terms of listening to, um, help a person in some ways um, if you say your feet I wonder about X or remember that time when your dad did such and so and it brought up this is it like is it kind of like that you know and and having a dialogue about that uh, that's great right the piece around therapizing is this I'll lay it out for you so one time in my training <laughs> um, I went to see my supervisor and I was working a lot in divorce and separation at the time. So I was seeing an awful lot of clients who were really struggling with this and maybe had abusive ex-partners and challenges seeing their children and all kinds of stuff. And I had a friend who was going through something similar. And it was challenging because I had, my parents had separated um, as well. And a lot of what was happening is she was going through a divorce and separation and her friends were her kids were around the same age that I had been at the time. So so there I am chatting to my supervisor and saying, you know, and I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere and it takes me back, you know, and I'm setting myself aside, which, you know, all good therapists should do and all good friends should do actually too. When, you're, when a friend is talking about their stuff, you may be tempted to insert your own experience. Um, try not to. If they bring it up, you know, what was it like for you when X great, because then that's agenda. That's their agenda, not yours, right? Um, anyway, so we're talking about this. And I said, you know, and she asked me about this, this being the friend. And then I said, well, she could do that. And she could try the other. But it's so frustrating, because, you know, she's not listening. Mm -hmm. He leaned forward, and he said, do you have a helping relationship with X, X being the friend? And I said, um, no, and he said, that's right. X is your friend. You don't have a helping contract with them like you do with your clients. And I'm like, ooh, 
Ooh, you know, <laughs> penny dropping. So you do not have a helping contract with your friends. If you agree to help them move and lift some furniture in that moment, yes, yes, you have a helping contract to lift furniture, right? But in the broader sense around their mental health, you don't have a helping contract. What you have is a connection where both of you are significant in the relationship, which is very different than therapy, where I am working for you. And we are not going to get into me, my stuff, my history, whatever, my ability to be present through something, whatever. But if a friend has called on me to talk something through, that is their agenda. And I, as their friend, just need to listen. I don't have a helping contract. I don't have a treatment plan. I don't have solutions. I am there to say at the end of some of this, all right, what do you need tonight? Like, would it help if I brought some food? Or like, do you need, you know, you can make suggestions. Mm -hmm. But if they're like, no, I'm fine on those fronts. It was just great to talk. Perfect. If they say, do you know a good therapist? Perfect. I can suggest one. I can say maybe, do you want to think about seeing a professional? Like, how are you with that? Like, I can say that. But I can't say, I think you should do X or Y or Z. <laughs> or worse yet, don't say, wow, that kind of stuff never happens to us. Uh, don't ever uh, say that. That is like uh, the most invalidating thing. Also, don't unless, say. Unless, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> unless you immediately follow it up. <laughs> that This sort of thing does not happen to me. So I'm having a hard time understanding it from your perspective, and I'm still going to try. Okay, fair. Although I really have a very, uh, it's tough when people say, uh, I can't imagine what you're going through. Mm. Listen, I know you can't imagine. Okay, listen, I know, I get it. You haven't lost a child, or you haven't gone through a miscarriage, or your husband didn't just lose his arm. Yes, these are experiences I have not had. You, the friend who's going through this stuff, knows full well I haven't had those experiences because we've known each other for some time and I never mentioned that my husband has no leg, right? So 20 years of friendship, it never came up. Like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I, I think it, it's... I, I, I think there's a pressure that a lot of us feel mm. to 100% understand the ins and outs of someone else's experience you're not gonna don't and, even try and i i think we we should probably call that out that even if there's overlaps in your experiences the the nitty-gritty of it is going to be a little different and that's what i meant earlier when i was when i said g allowing ourselves to sit with ambiguity part of the ambiguity is the idea that other people's experiences are not exactly the same as ours and acknowledging that be comfortable absolutely with that. so so when i say don't even try i don't mean don't listen to your friend or <laughs> don't let them elaborate what you're saying don't say yeah i can't get that so you know bye no <laughs> that'd be awful you know so Mic what drop. i what i mean is don't feel that you have to understand their situation in order to be a supportive friend or in order to offer help because you aren't them so that thing you went through two weeks ago and they appear to be going through something similar, 
They may not handle it the way you do. It may hit them differently. So even if they have a similar experience, it may land very differently for them. And they may feel that if you say, <laughs> I had this happen. My first child, I went through 44 hours of labor. Um, I had a very good friend who we went through prenatal stuff together and became real close. She had six hours of labor. We had a good laugh about the fact that neither of us could understand the other's experience because <laughs> ours was so different. And also, I felt some envy at the short labor. And she felt some envy about <laughs> the not having a sudden tornado overtake your body and have a child come out the other end with very little time to feel prepared. So, right? That's the first time I've heard of labor as a sudden tornado, and I, I really love it. It's such an evocative metaphor. I was yeah, all fine. Really and is. then there was a baby, pretty much. And it was tough. So, uh, Some witch got hit by a house. It was all, all over the place. <laughs> um, so let, let's actually pause here for uh, our, our mid-episode disclaimer. Remind listeners and viewers uh, of our disclaimer. And then we'll come back with a little bit more about this before checking in with chat. So stick around. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Oh, apparently I tried to end the show. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, we're done. We're done. Yeah, no, no, I'm out uh, of here. Uh, I'm not even well, tying no, my no bow tie half. this time. No second half. Just going straight to the end. Um, so we, we have... Uh, um, a few more points on here, but I think uh, a, a segue that I kind of want to do into this um, is starting off with a talk about the thing that's been going on with uh, neurodivergent people on Twitter talking about the whole, um, you know, uh, neurodivergent people, a lot of them are uh, a way of relating to the person is by telling the story of something of similar that happened to them. And it, reading that was one of those moments that I was just like, Oh, wow. No, that's why I do that. Okay. Because uh, my friend Kyle, who I've mentioned before, who also has ADHD, we would do this so much that like, and we've known each other for 20 years that we would pull up the other person's reference for them uh, <laughs> before they could even say it. And I like, I think one of the things though, is that like, that is a thing that is how neurodivergent people can relate to things. But I do think that this next part is kind of the best way to weigh to both of those because it, it would, I think it would be wrong personally, this is my personal opinion. I feel like it would be wrong for one to overtake the other. Well, so I'll, I'll speak to that for a sec. Um, <laughs> so this is something that's been, I've been seeing coming up more and more. And it's true that those of us who are autistic, those of us with ADHD, um, we we tend to info dump and self disclose mm -hmm. and and 
I, I will just say from personal experience uh, with that sort of communication style, there is an art yeah. to yes, there is an art to demonstrating to to the neurotypicals. <laughs> <laughs> That some face there. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. I don't have any lingering anger about being a Linux in a Windows world. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but no, there there's an art form to self-disclosing an experience of yours as a way of creating some sort of cognitive empathy anchor point and demonstrating that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. And um, being able to say, hey... Here's an experience I have. Um, the, here's an experience I have that I think might have some overlaps to what you're trying to tell me. How close am I? Because I'm trying to find a hook to hang it on. There is an art form to that, and one of the things I consciously try to be aware of when I do that, because again, I'm I usually, you know, the, 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 uh, those of you who saw the autism AMA, uh, it's a metaphor I use all the time, that those of us who are autistic, we're Linux in a Windows world. And the problem is people expect us to be Windows, and mm -hmm. we're not. And we can do our best to try and interface with the Windows PCs around us. Um, but one of the, so one of the tricks I do is it, just call it out that this is what I'm doing. I'm giving a self-example because I'm trying to find a cognitive anchor point. And then letting me, letting them correct me. That's an important thing. Just calling it out, letting them correct me, and this is what I'm doing. Um, I'm not trying to, not trying to center it, the conversation on myself. I am trying to find something to anchor your story to. Mm -hmm. And being overt about that is has been a helpful tip for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you just do it, and, and I used to do that as well, I would just kind of share, oh, yeah, you know, a similar, I wouldn't even necessarily say a similar happened to me, I'd launch it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the impulsivity around ADHD as well. Um, and it, I think, felt to the listener, like I was just trying to insert myself into their story. Right, yep. You really want to avoid doing that part. Right. You want to think about what you're saying, I think, Trevor is also different when you have a friend with that many yep. memories and references together. Part of what is comforting in those situations is not having to explain the self for your friend. Say they're the one who's going through a thing right. and you're bringing up references to their history. Part of what's comforting about that for them is that you know who they are. Mm -hmm. There's a wonderful shared identity and memory pool to draw from. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, um, it's great to be able to draw on it because sometimes we go through a thing that kind of causes us to question our identity and ourself and is painful. Right. And, and if we have someone in our life who is saying, yeah, you know, two Octobers ago when you and then you and I, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm still me. And, mm -hmm. you know, so so that's wonderful. And also about the connection with the friendship. I think when we're doing these kinds of inserts or info dumps or. Um, one person who's written about neurotypicals and non-neurotypicals has called it weavers versus concluders. People who weave a tapestry together and telling a story Hi. versus someone who's like, could you get to the point? You know, <laughs> so 
Yeah. So yeah. Stating to, what your intention is there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I will call uh, one of one of the ways I do that is so my point in telling all of that is X, Y, and Z. My point, you know, here's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know, often that it often that is. So my point in saying all this is, is this a similar thing? So I can. I can cognitively empathize with what you're saying. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, again, I'm not trying to center it on me. I'm trying to, again, I, I want to find that hook to hang my hat on. Mm-hmm. Boy, for okay. most people, that's a, for most people, that's a, that's a metaphor for me. I guess that's. that's yeah, just, I know. Right. I was fully yeah. distracted for a second there. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, real, real quick though. The, 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 the weavers thing is like, mm-hmm. get to the point. At one point, I was just like, listen, I write novels. Do you think I'm not going to speak in them? Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the the reason that I wanted to bring that up, um, not just because like it is a, a point of this topic, but also because I feel like what you're saying about the being overt and stuff like that kind of transitions into our next part, which is uh, what do you need from me right now? Which for me, as someone with ADHD, has probably been the best way to you know weighed that is just basically be like okay i have a lot of stuff running through my head right now i'm gonna stop for a moment and ask them do you like i've recently i've been like do you want me to listen do you want suggestions uh do you or something like this what do you need from me that way i know how to conduct myself for them (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's such a useful question Mm-hmm. And but one of the things to bear in mind is to, is tone is important here. Yeah, yeah. And th- yeah. There's a difference between okay, what do you need from me? Oh yeah, and, no, <laughs> and okay, I want to help. What do you need from me right now? And uh, I, I I will say that I'm I'm gonna call out uh, V the crafting muse who is the <laughs> who is the uh, community manager over at WizKids, and there have been many times that I have sent her text messages. And it's been <laughs> for empathy, press one. For validation, <laughs> press two. For venting, press three. For solutions, press four. Press five for a combination of any or all of the above. Yep. I'm going to say here that I think women might have a slightly harder time with what do you need from me. Mm. And people who are super independent and have a hard time asking for help will also interpret that the word need can be a huge trigger yeah, in the sense that fair. I don't that's... want to need something. I want to appear independent. You know, yeah, right, it's already been right. such a stretch for me to share. Exactly. Whatever. So I want to help. Would... How can I help? Yeah. There's, okay, v- like there's variations and you're going to yeah. find a style that there's n- what works for me is not going to work for Mitra is not going to work for Trevor is not going to work right. for you. Um, I have a, I, I have a dear friend who um, it, I think a lot of us have that friend who you don't know how they get away with saying the things they do, but some reason they just have this aura of charm about them, like their persuasion. They've got double, they've got <laughs> double expertise on persuasion, and yeah. they get away with saying things that you would be punched on sight for saying, and they make friends that way. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, and so, yeah, you're going to, as you gain these skills, you're going to figure out your style and what works for you. And you're going to figure out your style with different people. Mm-hmm. Because for some people, something really direct is probably like, what do you need right now? I'm here for you. You know, might be, they'll be much more receptive to that maybe than anything with more roundaboutation to it. Whereas others are going to um, 
be so concerned about being a burden that you're going to have to choose your words around being helpful. You're going to have to say, no, really, I want to I want to be there for you. Um, you are doing me a favor in terms of our friendship by allowing me to know about this and by allowing me to be here and listen to you. And I really want to I want to be offer something practical as well if I can, uh, if you need that, you know, so it uh, it all depends on the person you're speaking with. Um, we haven't really touched, we've kind of touched on listening versus speaking. We haven't really touched on assumption of ignorance uh, yet in terms okay. of going into the conversation. Do we want to quickly touch on well, we what that means? We did talk did we a little bit, bit about yeah. like having a humble attitude. Right, right. Let's be clear though, that going in with the idea that I don't know is actually really important. When someone's sharing an experience, it's not your experience. You don't know how it's landing for them. If you go in with the assumption that you really don't know and you just you have curiosity and openness and you want to understand more about what the person's experiencing, um, you'll be better off with that. You'll probably hear more and you may be able to hear in a way you haven't before because they may fill out uh, parts that you haven't heard before. So setting aside your own um, assumptions, and of course, we've talked about your own agenda. So, yeah. Well, um, ad additionally, um, there's, there's something that people keep bringing up in the chat. Mm. And, what, and it seems to be a question of what do you do if you don't know what you need? And I, in, in those moments when I'm either on the end of somebody who's, I mean, I, again, I'm autistic. I'm often overwhelmed. I struggle with alexithymia, which go check out the previous, the AMA, if you don't know what that means. Um, but I, I struggle with, I, with identifying what I need in a moment. And for someone who, who, for someone to just be comfortable with me saying, I don't know, and sitting with me in that ambiguity that in and of itself is doing something. Mm -hmm. Being okay with someone saying, I don't know, mm -hmm. and just sitting with them on that, that can be a powerful thing in and of itself. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Um, there's a couple other uh, uh, points that we had. Um, I think I think one that that we should cover is you don't have to be the one person who helps. Absolutely, you don't know me. <laughs> don't I though? The nineteen don't episodes I? together. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. La 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 la. You're gonna call me out like that. I mean, why why are you gonna uh, chat? He attacked me. You saw it. I was there. I saw no attacks. Where's the report button? Well, I'm invalidating you right there. I'm going to send you so many parody emotes. <laughs> so what, what, what do we mean by that? Okay. So we mean that there are boundaries on what you can do and it's okay to set them. Yeah, maybe you can bring dinner tomorrow night, but you can't do it five nights in a row or you don't have the financial means or you also have to chauffeur your kid to soccer or whatever. You know, it's okay. You do not have to be the only person who helps. What you can do is say, oh, hey, um, who else, what other supports? You can ask those questions. You don't ask them right away, but you can think about who else other people could, could bring in, who, which other people, I should say. Um, you can say, this sounds serious. What would it be like to call your sister or your dad 
as well. You know, yeah. you can make suggestions. Um, but you can also say, you know, what I can do is I can come by on Wednesday. What I can do is I can check in with you tomorrow night. You know, be clear on what you can and can't do. Don't stretch yourself because you want the friendship to be around for a long time. You don't want to create um, a situation where you start to feel resentful and burnt out by the friendship because mm-hmm. that doesn't do you, any either of you, any yeah. good. Well, so. and one of the things I like to think of in that respect, and this is just autism framework, pedantic brain kicking in, is sort of social structures around things. And Mitra, you brought this up earlier that in a therapy setting, it's a business relationship. It's an empathic, genuinely caring business relationship, but it is a business relationship. And it's a largely one-way thing, at least in terms of the emotions. And we agree to enter into that formally. Mm -hmm. Whereas friendships, most social relationships need to be two-way. They need to be reciprocal. Yep. And if I am the only one giving emotional output without getting things in return that are worthwhile to me, that's not an equal friendship. That is that is lopsided. And it's not to say that friendships don't wax and wane and oscillate from time to time on who's giving, you know, who's pushing, who's pulling and so forth, mm-hmm. but a- as a trend overall, friendships Romantic relationships, even families, need to have that equal reciprocity in order to be healthy. Mm -hmm. And so this is a question I have to ask myself on because I I am a natural helper. I, I, and this is a question I answer for myself. I find it empowering to, to be a resource to my friends. And they like to use it, but are they giving me what I need in return? as Mm -hmm. a friend. And these are questions I have to ask. And you should ask those too. It's very important. I used to fall into friendships where I was always the helping friend. Um, And the problem with that is eventually you start to feel like the more capable person in the relationship, which Mm. means that when you have needs, you find it very difficult to ask that person for help Mm. because you have seen them. You begin to see them as unreliable, which is unfair to the friendship. And certainly unfair to yourself as well. So keeping that balance in terms of friendship is important. There are times when there'll be less balance. Um, A very good friend of mine dealt with the death of a friend. There's not balance in that situation when someone's slowly dying of cancer and you're being a support in their lives. Um, But it's also honoring your relationship with them to stay connected with them through an experience that's difficult like that and that's meaningful to both people in the friendship. So... You know, but we have to figure out for ourselves the journeys that we're willing to be on with people and the connections that we want to honor and set boundaries around them for our own health. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we check in with chat, is there any last points that you want to hit really quick? I kind of want to quickly hit the comfort in, dump out thing we talked about. Okay. Oh, yes. Um, yes and I'm going to bring up actually the little thing I drew, which a is chart. like me and my fine <sighs> art. Um, so there's somebody who came up with something they called the ring theory, um, and it's pretty easy to look up. You had a different fancier name for it, though, Rafa. Well, well yeah, well, I mean, I'm a little scared now because now that you're telling <laughs> us about ring theory, everybody in the chat's going to have to tell their friends about it within seven days. God or dang it. or. <laughs> or a, a, a wet-haired, scary girl no. is going to 
She'll sh- she'll crawl her way out of your TV and go. Do you want to learn to be a better friend? I, do you I, want I, to? I do. Yeah. I do. I want to learn to be a better friend. Scary wet haired girl. <laughs> what? All right. So so if if somebody's going through a thing, they're in the center of this circle. Okay, they're the one going through the thing. This might be their partner. This might be you, or this might be you. But you're not the one going through the thing. All right. So. You're going to comfort in to the person who's going through the thing. And any upset feelings, fears for them, worries, some of which you might share, but most of which you're going to take and you're going to dump out here to your support person. In the cancer example, you're not going to tell your friend who's dying, I'm going to really miss you. You're dying. I'm so sad. It's so terrible. Oh, my God. I hate that you're going through chemo. Wow, that must hurt. Wow. You know? You're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You, Of course, you're going to share that you're going to miss them, maybe. But you're not going to cry on their shoulder because they're going. You're not, right? leaning, on, you're not leaning on the person for support when exactly. they're the one who needs you. That's right. You're going to comfort in to them, bring them grapes or whatever they need to eat uh, after their chemo sessions, if it's helpful. And you're going to dump out to your partner, to your other friends. You're going to share about how tough that was or how the nurse looked mean today or about how, you know, you're tired, but you really just want to be there. That's who you're going to share it with. Mm-hmm. Now, if they have a partner and that's who this person is, you're also not going to dump on their partner or their sister or maybe their kids. I don't know. You're not going to mm-hmm. do that. You're going to work on comforting who you can. And you're going to go over here and talk to your partner and friends. So comfort in, dump out. That's so the, the pers- short version. So the person who, the, so the closer someone is to a stressor, you don't confide in them. They confide in you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, confiding can be different. Well, or you you don't lean on them for support. They lean on you. Right, particularly about the stressor. I mean, in a good friendship, you know, we might want to normalize things, and they may say. Hey, how's your son doing these days or something, right? Mm -hmm. Or how is that new job you started? Mm -hmm. Maybe they want a bit of distraction and maybe that's a great piece of your friendship to just be able to talk through this stuff. Um, But you're going to be mindful of how much they can take in. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're certainly not going to rant for hours about your situation when someone is going through a really serious thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's two two quick tips I wanna I wanna give to the chat really um, well three one now you have to tell everybody within seven days someone within seven days otherwise <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you will never receive comfort again no oh I, my I, god <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry oh wow. he just couldn't help himself I got dark so fast <laughs> I really did ah. that escalated quickly <laughs> ah, I'm sorry um the um. The two, to, the two real tips that I want to give is one that Trevor brought up yesterday, and that was a question of if if you're reaching out to someone, is this a good time? Yeah. If mm-hmm. you if you need help from someone, asking, hey, is this a good time? Um, it, it, can I vent at you for a second? Can I yeah. lean on you? Um, basically, a- acknowledging that your friends are not your therapists. I, but I can't tell you how many times in the text conversation with my sister, one of us just started, is now is right now a good okay, time to talk. <laughs> um, yeah, so asking permission, um, 
is a, or asking you consent for someone uh, helpful that that's a that's that can be a really good thing. The other thing is something that's been brought up in the chat a couple times. Like, is it should I tell people I understand or I hear you? That is a real. My experience has been that's a really good start. However, if you instead of saying I hear you or I understand and saying you say what you hear and what you understand, you demonstrate it instead of saying it. Mm -hmm. That, in my experience, has often been much more effective because kind of like saying to someone you sound stressed or you sound upset, they're so vague as to be useless. Okay? Absolutely. Um, it can sound minimizing to a lot of people to say you sound stressed, you sound upset, I hear you or I understand. Instead, be more specific. Label what you understand. Reflect it as accurately as you can, and then let them correct you. Yeah. So, wow, that sounds like a really tough thing. Can you tell me more about that? Or, or yeah, ab absolutely, or, somebody would be stressed out at their job if that's going mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I will say one of the other options that I give people with the like, do you want suggestions? You want me to listen? I will go. Do you want me to 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 go along with your emotion right now? Like, if you hate Jerry from work because he's being a jerk, man, screw Jerry. <laughs> 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 like uh, that, I, I I think that is another viable one to go with. Absolutely. Can I come over there and break both their legs with that? <laughs> <laughs> It's Dang. okay. So I had I had Idol Champions a... does not endorse breaking of legs. <laughs> That's right. But uh, but I remember one time I was I was chatting to a friend and I was saying, man, you know, it's really pissing me off, and I'd like to hit them with something hard and heavy. And the friend was like, what would you use? Oh, and it was my. the best question. I'm like, you know, I I got this really great you know cast iron frying pan. Oh my you know, god! Like like the Bugs Bunny things with the cast iron frying pans, and they were like, yeah. Part you know? two of this episode with places <laughs> I did not expect. I no, love it. It was so great. It was so great. It was part of venting. Yeah. It was part of feeling accompanied. It was it was being really silly together, because people there is a huge difference between the feelings we may have in the moment. And the actions we're actually not going to take, let's be very mm -hmm. clear. It's okay to express the feelings. In fact, it's such a relief to have mm -hmm. someone laugh with you, cry with you, go along with your silly fantasies, your castles in the air and your frying pans is, is really great. Yeah. Like nobody's going over there and breaking anyone's legs. But, you know, yes to venting, right? Nobody's yeah. trying to fix it. Nobody's trying to solve it. We're just taking a minute. And you know what? Once we're done with that then we're actually in a much better space to be constructive. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be constructive right away, but it's like, phew, glad I got that off my chest. I feel so much better. I feel like a better human being now. I feel like I can be more charitable with my children mm -hmm. now, you know, or my husband, you know, because we need to be able to get those things out. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I got to call it Robo Goblin in the chat. Uh, he says, uh, when champions of hurtology. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, let's, let's check in with the chat real quick before we, uh, we need to wrap this one up. Yeah. Uh, Reaver01 says, so, Sitting there listening and trying to understand them is like giving their crumbling structure support while you both figure out how to stop uh, them from crumbling. I like that. That's you're giving mm. a found you're you're giving a foundation essentially. Yeah. You're shoring things up. I like that. Yeah. That's a great metaphor. Because the biggest thing you're offering as well is that connection. That mm -hmm. foundation speaks to relationship and connection. When we have that and we feel less alone with whatever we're dealing with. We're, we're better. We feel better. Mm -hmm. Isolation is killer. 
Yeah. Um, counting coup. I'm going to change one word in your question. Uh, to, to I, I think we can do better with which uh, changing should to uh, could. Like what what could you do if a friend wants you to tell them uh, how to solve their problems? Uh, how do you tell them uh, no without seeming to be dismissive or unhelpful? Well, I, I mean, at that point, if someone's literally asking for your suggestions. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it gets pretty overt. If you've got ideas and they're yeah. literally asking for suggestions, well, you know, there you go. Yeah. Um. But if you don't, if, if it's a complex situation and you can't think, uh, it, like if, if I'm in that situation, if it's a complex situation and I can't think of any good, clean solutions, then I call that out. I just, I call, I, like, this is a hard situation. I don't have any good, clean solutions. And you know what? I bet that's even more frustrating that I can't think of anything when you can't think of anything. For sure. But one thing you can share if you can't think of anything and you can say, hey, I have no expertise in this or like, I really don't know. But you know what? Let's see if we can figure out who can. Mm. You guys can start to do a little research together or you can point them to, um, you know, a website or a therapist or something else that can be a resource for them. And that's that's handy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think maybe a lawyer would help or like, do you want to, you know, see about because um, you can there's loads of people who can help with finding the resources it doesn't have to be you mm-hmm. yeah and apparently uh now that we've all threatened violence against gary at codename <laughs> entertainment i really hope there is no gary at codename entertainment but if there is no not a gary there is now and he is the target of all our anger <laughs> do, 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 I, I gotta ask <laughs> just no so I, I satisfy chat was what, were you doing a, a parks and recs reference there because I said Jerry, and then you said Gary. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Yeah. Or Gary. Oh, yeah. Whichever one you want. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I'm going to do the, this last one, and then we will wrap things up. Uh, Frontier MTS says, for me, a person who is a helper type, I got burned out not because of the friend uh, seeming unreliable for me. Uh, it was not uh, allowing myself to be vulnerable enough to show that I had weakness because everyone needed me. Yeah. I had to be the strong one. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. Hard. That That's is hard uh, so hard. Yeah. I, I I get that. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. It is hard for me to talk about stuff because I'm pretty much constantly feeling like I need to be good for everyone else. Yeah, it took me a while to really try to unlearn that one. And actually what helped was really kind of seeking um, people who could also do both. I have a lot of friends who are therapists. I think it's partly because we do get quite good at sort of understanding where that where mm-hmm. that boundary is, but at the same time seeking consent before we seek help. The hey, is now a good time or have you got a minute or shall we plan a time to chat kind of yeah. thing. So, but yeah, part of it is you do deserve help. Just because mm-hmm. you're strong, in fact, because you're strong, you do also deserve support. How else do we stay strong, right? Mm-hmm. So, and uh, one of the things I think about is that, you know, being literally in a leadership position in a public facing mental health organization and also being the friend people lean on in a lot of cases, um, I'm in a position of trust. And in a position of trust, I need to be able to demonstrate the kind of behavior that I, I think other people should engage in. And mm-hmm. if I'm not willing to ask for help for myself, if I'm not willing to be vulnerable, 
how can I expect other people to follow that example? Mm. So that, that's one that's of the really things good. I think about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think that is going to do it for today's episode. We're, we're getting run low on time here. Uh, uh, Beecher, Dr. B, where can people find you if they want to see what you do on the internet? Easily available at my Twitter handle at Mitra Jordan and also my website, MitraJordan.com. Um, I would love to hear from any of you, all of you. <laughs> and, Be chatty uh, chat. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're not chatting about what happened to Gary, all right? Oh, I do have good news. Jay says there is no Jerry or Gary at CNE, so we're not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, no, he was the worst. Can confirm. God, Gary. You guys. Uh, uh, But it's a fine, uh, you know, absolutely follow Take This at Take This Org on all of the socials. But if you are looking for me specifically, I am the Dr. B on all pretty much all social media platforms. That's T H E E D O C T O R B. And, um, yeah. 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 That, that's where I can be found unless you're Gary. <laughs> yeah. You can find me on the Difficulty Class podcast every Friday, as well as Champions of Lore every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash Games, as well as on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. Um, thank you, Jay, for moderating the chat as always and doing thank a fantastic you, job. Uh, thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, I did see someone asking where they can send in their suggestions for the next season. You can send those into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com or by tweeting it to us. Uh, um, and yeah. just saying, here's an idea that I had for a topic, and we'll see what we do with it. Because uh, we will be taking a little bit of a break after the, our season finale next week. But we'll, then we'll be back with more good discussions. Um, if you missed any part of the show, you can uh, catch it t- later today at 2 p.m. as a podcast on your favorite podcast services. Uh, if you're live with us, be sure to come back later today for Bardic Inspiration. Uh, and I think I think sketching hours are... I get so messed up with the schedule. I apologize, everybody, for messing up the schedule. You'll see it on the Twitter. I apologize. <laughs> But that is going to do it for this week's episode. Until next week, take care of yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.